Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of The Front Tree, officially the 274th most popular sports podcast in the world, at least when I checked last Friday. My name is Adam Boltwood and joining me as always is the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Imagine if your name was Anne Always. You'd just be like, you'd, everyone would just take you for granted. This year, always. And always. Uh, and, and always here as well is, of course, uh, the stat man himself, Dave O'Brien. Hello. Hey, Anne O'Brien. New mic, new quality. I'm not going to get slated anymore. So, it's been another crazy week. Uh, transfers, news, so much to talk about. But I have to begin, as always, by saying thank you for listening to The Front Free. The latest episodes have been getting over 4,000 plays, which is uh, pretty incredible, I think. So, thank you for listening once again. Uh, a close second for comment of the week this week goes to Andy Anderson, who says, 12 episodes and however many years he has been alive for, and Adam still hasn't learned how to pronounce the word three correctly. <laughs> he does make a good point. That does piss well, me off every it's, week. It's because I'm from... <laughs> Uh, do you not have the same problem? I'm from the south of England, near London, and everyone pronounces it. So therefore, in what, what, some sort of terrible use of language. Yeah. <laughs> People pronounce their THs as Fs. So you say both. You don't say both. As you should say. I, I accept I'm not saying it properly, but yeah, it's just the accent. And I, can't I don't it. know. It just irks me a little bit because the rest of your accent is really softly spoken. And then suddenly you sort of go. <sighs> it's turn into a cop. I, I can't Yeah, I'm it. Adam Bolfwood. So what's the proper way to say it? Go on. Three. Three. <laughs> and what am I saying? Free. free. Like so, you're free, free willy or something like that. So I should say free. Also, three. though, it, it does annoy. Yeah, it does annoy me a little bit because you would, you know, if you're used to saying it, and we still understand what you mean, it's just that you know, say someone's listening in a new country and they directly translate what you Mate, say. It's one. It would be it's like one the comment, front right? free. Let's not let's like, go for it. It's one person, Andy Anderson, chiming in. Fair yeah, but Andy, Andy speaks for a majority here. Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want you to know somehow. That. Anyway, I'm going to start pronouncing it as the front three, then. Yeah! Because it's just now, now there's awkward pause. Oh, yeah, there'll be awkward mouth. pauses. I've got to force it. Um, but anyway, that, set, that was a close second for comment of the week. But actual comment of the week for a second week in a row has to go to Jacob Enink on SoundCloud, who said... He's Enink. He said, uh, thanks, cunts, for the comment of the week, but you fucking butchered my name. <laughs> to be honest, Kristen is my favourite out of you lot. He should be on every week, even though the front four would be the most bollocks names. So, I agree with everything you said, Jacob. Fair play. Comment of the week there. Uh, anyway, on with episode 13, we're going to talk news, answer your questions, and finish off, as always, with the talking points. First up, and hopefully this is the last time we have to talk about it for a few weeks, Raheem Sterling to Manchester City. It's a done deal. It's been confirmed. <laughs> £49 million, pounds, making him the most expensive English player of all time and the most expensive signing in Manchester City's history. 
Dave, what is he going to bring to City and is he worth all that money? Oh, well, he's going to bring Dave them a lot, I think. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> doing the same, <laughs> doing the same he... first five minutes every week. Just a brief one. we just got to talk a, a brief, little bit about a quick it. One. Is he fast, Dave? Is he quick? He's is he tricky with his feet? Yeah, he's brilliant. Move on. He's good with his. He's not good at finishing. Something he needs to improve on. At Man City, he needs to improve a number of aspects of his game. And if he doesn't improve, he won't be worth that £49 million. Pounds. So there's a lot of pressure on Raheem. A lot of pressure. Lawrence, are you glad to see the back of him? You know what? I was having this conversation tonight. Um, someone accused me of waffling today on a, on a football channel. Um, yeah, uh, basically, my point would be uh, Raheem Sterling took up space on the pitch, uh, as, as most players do. Um, <laughs> but he took up a space on the pitch, which may be... Uh, and this, you know, this is not searching for the silver lining in the cloud, which was Raheem Sterling leaving. But maybe other players will now be able to grow into a, a role that they couldn't have played because Raheem was taking up that space. And I think it, it does free up a bit of room for the likes of Markovic, Ibe, um, Coutinho even to wander in, Firmino, anyone who wants to get a little bit wider. The worry is that Liverpool will be too narrow without the likes of Sterling. Um, so we'll see what Liverpool's width game is like and whether, you know, using people like Klein and Moreno will become more of a more central to their game. Um, although, you know, the back, the back line is probably Liverpool's biggest worry. I think that's partly, you know, if, if Skirtle had gone, uh, you know, I think the bigger worry would have been you know, how do Liverpool make a back line out of that, which has some sort of, you know, brain and guile. Um, and so the front line seems there's a little bit, still a little bit of promise there. Let's put it that way. So, obviously, it's hard to judge at the moment. Time's going to tell. But briefly, who do you think got the bad deal? Liverpool or Manchester City? Lawrence? They both got good deals, mate. It, right now, at this moment, Liverpool are getting a good deal. In a few mm-hmm. years' time, um, Neil Stacey, who's a producer at another uh, YouTube channel, said to me tonight, he was like, in a few years' time, um, you know, two titles down, City will sell him on to, uh, you know, Real Madrid or whoever. And um, and they'll get a nice seventy-seven million or something ridiculous like that, and uh, and then they'll get their value at that point. And you know, it's it's the nature of a career; he'll progress. Interesting. So, all right, that's enough of Raheem Sterling. Then we talked about it a lot, as you said. Uh, moving on <laughs> to Manchester United, Victor Valdez is going to be sold by the club after manager Louis Van Gaal claimed he refused to play for the reserves last season and doesn't fit the club's philosophy. Dave, how do you react to this? Wow. Crazy, unbelievable. <laughs> Quite interesting that I, it was a bit weird, you know, not being on on the US tour. It made me think that United were going to sell him. Um, you know, it was going around the press, but this is big news. You know, not to understand Van Hal's philosophy is a big, big no-no. Obviously, he's going to get booted straight out of the club. Uh, it's an interesting thing. Van Hal's obviously fallen out with players in the past. Schneider, Van Persie. Um, it's it's a strange one. Potentially, you might have an have an issue in the future where Van Hal falls out with too many players, and then that's that's him gone. But well, that's just it, Lawrence. I mean, this is uh, Louis Van Hal is famous for his no nonsense attitude, his ruthlessness. Yeah. Famously, dropped his trousers so everyone could see his balls. Literally. Yeah. Do you think, as Dave says, there's times where perhaps it's airing on the side of he needs to show a bit more a bit more nous in dealing with players. He can't always be. Well, no, I mean, you know, you'd say um, it's uh, it's another approach just mm. because it doesn't fit the kind of the understanding. I, I guess, it, you know, if, if someone doesn't fit your philosophy, why would you want to keep them around? It, it makes sense. I guess part of it is in England. We were almost like, well, why, why would you say that in public? Why right. would you not just say, yeah. well, you know, we have to yeah. move on? And, yeah. and move on how sort of like, well, um, why would I, why would I bite my tongue over it? I think it's a cultural thing, partly, um, and I think the Brits are, are very much sort of like, well, good God, we, we just sort of let people move on around here. Uh, it, like the Raheem Sterling thing. 
you know, uh, everyone was sort of like with A.D. Ward, who, you know, is still a complete cock. But like, <laughs> you know, people start, I mean, why would you do that in public? You know, you just don't air your dirty laundry in public. And A.D. Ward's like, listen, I don't know what you think, but down here in London, right? And you're just sort of like, oh, just fuck off, A.D. I think and it is. It is yeah. The problem is, right, Louis Mangala has, has earned the status um, to be able to speak in that way because uh, essentially a lot of the time uh, his judgment of players has been right there's not many managers though who could get away with it I, I think I think you there's know, a like say, could get away with it because they're football managers Adam no <laughs> I, I think you know Jose Mourinho definitely won but uh, there's not many managers admittedly Mourinho, like I say I think, the, I think it, if Wenger said it I'd probably trust it although it would come in a very different tone and I think that's also partly we're assuming the tone you know he may have just said you know he just didn't fit my philosophy and uh, it was time for him to move on uh, United fans love to say I mean uh, David yeah you know, United to... fans though see it in a different way because United fans are essentially the same I, uh, I'll definitely get castigated for saying this Ooh, there are yeah. a small <laughs> minority of United fans who match up with everything apart from the age of a Fox News um, viewer, basically, they want to be told what they want to be told, and when they're not told that, they get extremely angry with you and ask you why you aren't just telling what them. What do you mean, doing. Lawrence? We're not going to win the Premier League next yeah, exactly. season. No, exactly. Well, uh, you know, I mean, I, I did a whole preview earlier this week with Adam McCullough on Football Daily, and uh, as soon as I stated a very obvious statement that they'd spent a lot of money in the last few years, and Kristen, who was on the podcast last week, he, he was saying, this is brilliant, I thought it was fantastic. He said this before everyone started tweeting it. Um, Lou Van Gaal, in one off-season, spent more money than Ajax spent in the entirety of the club's history. The immediate text after that was, let that sink in. And I think you should do the same. <laughs> let that sink in, all right? <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, Louis Van Gaal, so he's doing this press conference now as we're recording. He's saying the future of Di Maria is not clear. Uh, obviously, he's saying Valdez is going to leave the club, and he said for David De Gea, it's up to him whether whether he leaves Brilliant. or not. Uh, well, who's the goalkeeper next season, Louis? And he's come out and said the process of signing free agent Sergio Romero, the Argentinian goalkeeper, is ongoing. So there we go. He doesn't. This, I mean, uh, you know. Uh, it's refreshing. A lot of managers these days, they come out, they don't necessarily tell the truth, which is understandable. They're sort of protecting transfer deals and players or what have you. This guy is just coming out and going, yeah, we'll see if Di Maria stays. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, well, no, 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 no. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> you think? You're full of shit. Because um, well, at the I'll same disagree. time, last season, like, although maybe, you know, maybe he was right to say maybe at this point in the season, we shouldn't be speaking about David Dyer's future. But he said, you know, do I ask you where you go on holiday? when they asked him whether David De Gea would stick around next season. And, uh, yeah, but not he, me, that's he, what he I mean. Not many managers to... would give that response. You know, he's being... What? I know, like I'm saying now, he's being very honest about it, but at the same time... Yeah. He's... No, but mate, at one point, he was not happy to be honest about it. But that's... So it's the but, point, uh, what you're doing there is you're buying into the, no, the mystique it's... that surrounds a manager. And you're, you know, ooh, he's, he's working the press. But he was given an, uh, an honest opinion then in terms of he was, wasn't happy about being... No, in terms of he wasn't happy about being asked. He was like just saying it how it is. Do you know what I mean? He was so saying how that... he was. But again, that comes down to a cultural thing. Yeah, but it, I'm just saying it's refreshing to see him go. Well, and maybe he'll stay, and maybe he won't. I'll give you five groats if he stays, and none if he does not. But instead, he just goes, "No, he probably won't." Oh, no, hold on, there's another comment here from Van Al, right? He said, "So asked whether he signed Damian." Um, when he has Raphael, <laughs> and he said, at right back, you have to defend. <laughs> God. Brilliant. <laughs> See, that's quality. It's great. I love, I, love, I love the idea that, uh, that Raphael's standing at the back of the room, 
and he just sort of gives him a cursory, you heard. <laughs> right back, you have to defend. You heard. This what I mean, he do you not think on. he's gonna he's gonna piss off too many players eventually? Yeah, he's gonna like everyone's gonna too many people off, isn't he? Staying on Man United last Friday, it was announced uh, you know that they'd done a deal for Bastian Schweinsteiger, Morgan Schneiderlin, fully confirmed earlier this week. Dave, how happy are you? Oh, I'm delighted. Both signings. I think Morgan's gonna be the player that will really will improve at Man United. One thing that you read through the interviews why he joined the club was was pretty much on Lou Van Howe's back. You know, Lou Van Howe spoke to him, spoke about how big Man United was an, as an organisation, as a club. Obviously going to America is absolutely massive. But then he also spoke about the improvement. Schneiderlin's one of those players that has drastically improved for his career. You remember a, a, a lanky teenage, teenager when Southampton was, I think they were just, just about in the Premier League and then they got relegated and he went through and he, went, he got relegated to League One then the Championship, and now he's back in the Premier League, obviously been there for three seasons now. He's really become a man. I think that was the relegation mm. of Southampton helped Schneidlin out in his career because he, he looked like he, a little bit, not, not as a fairy, but he looked like he was, he was gliding around the pitch. He wasn't putting the work in, and now he's making tackles, he's making interceptions, he's running the show, and, that, and that's a positive thing for a player. And obviously Schweinsteiger as well, we know what he can do, obviously Champions League, World Cup. What Schweinsteiger brings is his ability on the ball. He learns from his mistakes. Obviously, there's been a lot of pinnacle moments in his career, losing the Champions League final to Inter Milan, losing those titles to Borussia Dortmund. Problems that, that inherently, potentially, they, they hit in those big games. They were hitting Schweinsteiger's weaknesses, and now he's, he's moved on and he's improved. And you go up to the World Cup final, where arguably he was man of the match. You know, that's what he's become. He's become this dictator, and it's just fantastic. It's going to be interesting to see where Carrick fits in. Because where do you think Carrick's going to be now? Obviously, Carrick was so influential last season, but now we've got Schweinsteiger, Schneiderlin, and Herrera. In well, rotation, you know, though, I mean, sure, I mean, uh, yeah, I, th I think their influence in different, their influences in different ways, aren't they? And most people are talking about, you know, uh, Carrick dict dictates the pace, and so will Schweinsteiger, is what a lot of people are saying. Mm. But I think it's, it's, uh, you know, how they do that because Schweinsteiger and Carrick are very different players, aren't they? Yeah, you know, I think what, that's one one of the big things. Sorry to jump in, but no, you make a that's point. a massively different your differentiation. Sometimes Carrick is a little bit sideways. He is brilliant at picking balls out to the to the feet of the attackers, but he doesn't do it as enough as you'd like. Whereas yeah. Schweinsteiger is that platform. He will exactly. get it. He's quite direct. You know, he will get it to the forwards as quick as possible. In I fact, think he's last... more direct, isn't he? Than, than Carrick. Although Carrick can still make that killer pass. So I, I guess what it is is it's just who you think is going to pick off the other team best. Yep, correct. That that, be that's exactly that's a great quality. That's, I mean, that's great for counter-attacks as well and just dictating in general, which is what United have sometimes lacked. Like you say, is that foothold in a game, especially yep. in front of a back four, which maybe even now still looks a little bit... Dodgy. Um, Suspect at times, <laughs> massively. But yeah, I'd say that Schweinsteiger, sorry, does give us that option of hitting people quickly, which we did struggle against. You know, I mentioned before against West Brom, Everton, teams that sit deep. Schweinsteiger can pick that pass early to a to an attacker, to an unrushing Depay or a Di Maria or a Juan Mata that can release a you know release Wayne Rooney through the middle. It's going to be really interesting to see that variation. It's it's just going to be a fascinating season for Man United's midfield. Staying on Man United, uh, Ed Woodward, apparently on a mad one. He's also looking to sign up a top-class striker. Now Robin Van Persie has gone to Fenerbahce. Edinson Cavani was the name being reported in The Guardian that apparently uh, Woodward's looking at. And also today, Christian Benteke is the name that's emerged. That was in The Sun. So, Dave, who would you rather have Old Trafford out of those two? Personally, I'd rather have Christian Benteke. I think he's, he's a brilliant striker. He's... He is a target man. We've mentioned before, he's, he's a guy that you can hit from the back and he will win the flick-ons. His, his 
Um, aerial duel win percentage is absolutely absurd. You know, probably one of the best in the Premier League over a certain amount of aerial duels compared to Cavani. Cavani's an interesting one. Obviously, smashed it in a in Syria when Syria was going through a very weak stage of his career, and then he's thrown his toys out the cot at PSG because he's behind the one and only Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So I would prefer Benteke, younger model. Um, I think he's been criticised a lot in the media from people that haven't necessarily watched him enough. Um, I think he's a top player. I think he's underrated with the ball at his feet. I think Van Hal could really turn, you know, really change someone like that into it, make them more a complete player, which Benteke full has the capability to do that. I don't think I could handle it if Benteke went to um, United because Spurs were the ones last season. There was talk of Depay coming to Spurs. Obviously, that never happened. He's gone to United. Same with Schneiderlin last season. Same with Benteke last season. So if he ends up going, I'm, you know, going to start losing the faith. But um, lastly, on Manchester United, uh, Angel Di Maria. All the talk about him going to PSG, going the opposite direction, is ramping up. Even the Guardian is saying it, so it must be true. Um, they're saying the French champions are willing to bet, uh, bid about £50 million. Lawrence, what do you think for the player would be the best move for him to stay at Manchester United, or do you think he should pack it in, head off to PSG? I'd like to see him stay at Manchester United. I'm, I'd, although I don't, I, I, you know, Dave makes the point it'd be interesting to see how that formation works. I guess just what I want to see for Di Maria would be consistent football. Um, and you know, see him in the team week in, week out because uh, you know there's such quality. But then the thing is, I probably wouldn't see him week in, week out if he was playing in Ligue 1. So from a selfish perspective, I kind of want to see him play in the Premier League. And you know what? I think he has been. I think people do speak in a disparaging way sometimes about uh, Di Maria. So maybe I'd just like to see him prove himself here and then leave. Uh, I've transfer yeah. news. The big story: Stuart Downing to Middlesbrough today. Yeah, you know that's the big story. Uh, is it, I mean, can we all just say Stuart song. Downing gets mocked a lot? He had a good season um, last season. I, I like Stuart Downing. Yeah, no, but he still gets mocked. You know, he can have a good season, but people still mock. Well, I think yeah, it just it was when how much did Liverpool pay for him for uh, you know? Was it seventeen million? Or yeah, in two thousand eleven or something, they went a bit. They signed up um, Charlie Adam, didn't they? And uh, Andy, Andy, Carroll. Andy Carroll. Hey, Charlie so. Adam was a bargain for, what, £8 million or something? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he's apparently back on the way to his hometown club, Middlesbrough, £5 million move. I mean, Dave, you're sort of saying there you're a fan of Stuart Downing. So, good move yeah. for Middlesbrough? Definitely, 100%. I think he's he's sort of moved on in his career. He's got over the Liverpool days and he's... Sort of becoming more of a more of a dictator, you know, more of a more of the main man in your team. You watch West Ham at the start of last season, especially, and Stuart Downing was absolutely running the show. Going to diving into the stats a bit, only only four players created more chances than Stuart Downing in the Premier League last season. Obviously, rounding the season off with eight assists, that's fantastic. Those players that were ahead of him, Fabregas. Um, David Silva and Eden Hazard are top, top, top players. So you've got to give Stuart, you've got to give him a lot of credit. And I think, obviously, I don't think he would have worked under Billich. Billich is a bit of a nutter at club level, I've mentioned before. I think West Ham are going to struggle this season. Middlesbrough is a, is a nice move. Back to, is, he's a Middlesbrough fan, if I'm not, if I'm correct. He started there, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, not? hometown. Yeah, so hometown. That, that's nice. You know, going back to your hometown, maybe help him out, get him promoted. Would be you nice to see. Point. Would be nice to see. Um, Another bit of transfer news slightly further down the table. Uh, Adrian Rabiot to West Ham, a PSG youngster, constantly being linked to a move away from the club. Apparently on his way to uh, to the bowling ground. Lawrence, have you seen anything of this guy? There's a lot of talk, you know, he's the next young French midfielder. Any thoughts? Uh, I, I've not seen, not seen enough to be able to comment on um, on the, the product. But I would say uh, maybe it's needed if... if if the, the billing is 
what it is. But then you say young French product. We've seen a lot of young French product also not deliver. Let's put it that way. In a, in a, in a, similar, in a similar vein. You know what I mean? Like they're, 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 people yeah. do seem to hark back to, well, you know, Vieira or, you know, oh, Omri. <laughs> and you're sort of like, well, you know. Another player that apparently uh, West Ham are in for is Fernando Lorente, the Juventus striker. That, I don't know. At first, it kind of seems like, you know, come on, that's never going to happen. But I don't know. They, they, I feel like there could be some truth to that. No, I mean, I think he's being shopped around by most people in the comments, in, in, the, in sort of, you know, weekly blogs and stuff, because they, they don't feel like they're seen regularly enough, maybe. Yeah, he was always someone who, um, he was always linked to Manchester United and Tottenham uh, when he was at Bilbao. He never, he's never set the world alight at Juventus, but... He was very heavily linked with Liverpool for a while. He's um, got, yeah. And at that time, I would have been happy, but I'd, you almost think, well, has he gone off the boil and therefore is it hard to get back to where you want a top-end striker to be? He just doesn't play, does he? I think that's the thing. He's not played for Juventus, exactly. but... A Bilbao, who was quality, it was a brilliant target man. I'd love to see him back at Bilbao and then playing him up front with Aradariz, who's just scored a ridiculous amount of headers over the last three seasons. Two target men, big lads, get the ball wide, whip it into them. Lovely little style. With with Mandzukic arriving and uh, Diabala as well, they've sort of you know reinforced up front, even with Tevez leaving. So it wouldn't it would I could sort of see that happening, Lorente, yeah. but we'll see. Maybe Spurs will put in a cheeky bid. Um the big rumour doing the rounds at the moment as we speak is Bayern Munich are in talks with the Juventus for Arturo Vidal. Now, this is a player who's always linked to a move away from Juventus and it's always on the verge of being done. Last season, famously, the whole saga of Vidal to Manchester United dragged over the whole summer. I think it, not even a week ago, Arsenal apparently agreed a deal for him. Watching Lawrence, can you see this one coming off, or is it just more transfer rumor, newspaper guff? Um, you do, you do. You almost hope it doesn't come off, right? Because I don't think it would be a waste, but I do think I don't know. There just seems to be a real concentration of talent in Europe at the moment, doesn't there? And you just think, you know what, share it out a little bit. I'd, I'd be surprised if he went though, seeing as you know, right. obviously Andrew per, uh, Andrea Perlo's gone to New York City. Sammy Kadira has arrived. But you're looking at Pogba, you're thinking maybe he's going to leave this summer. So if another midfielder... Maybe they just down, don't feel ready to sell Pogba. And, yeah, and I think Pogba's you know, not going to stay. Do you think, you think he's going to go or stay? Sorry, I reckon Pogba will definitely stay. But it's really interesting, this Vidal stuff's come out. Obviously, it's been reported by Sky Italia, Di Marzio, the mm. classic. It's been reported in Chile from uh, Mondo, Go De, uh, Mondo Deportivo, a paper or something like that. But yeah, yeah. it's been an interesting one. It seems a bit weird, though. Man United would have paid €40 million Euros for him last season. But now they've bought... Two midfielders. Now they're sort of set in a way, aren't they? No, it's Schweinsteiger and Schneider. You don't really want Vidal anymore. But yeah. well, you also almost think player. are they? You know, they've got more adaptable. They've got the. They've got a number of players. You also wonder, does it really suit the LVG way yeah. of playing, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. I think Adam. Yeah. You know, the the biggest midfield uh, coup that you're missing here is PSG going the opposite way with Johan Kabay going to Crystal Palace. Yes, <laughs> that, it, it was confirmed uh, last Friday, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, this. I mean, it really is a great piece of business. First of all, because you know, I know he hasn't played an awful lot. Um, it's, you know, it's essentially it's still a cut price, great midfielder. Uh, I know the worry is that he'll be injured, but you know, they've broken the wage structure for him. I was speaking to a Crystal Palace fan tonight, and you know, they've broken the wage structure for him. Scott Dan as well, um, and I think it, you know, it shows an element of intent. It puts a lot of pressure on uh, Pardew to deliver because this is the kind of the ilk. Um, but it also, I guess, it also shows the pull of the manager because, you know, you, you know, would you rather stay in Paris or go 
to play for Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace is a great club to play for, actually. I, you know, I think they're a fantastic oh, yeah. league side. But the point still stands. In that midfield now, you've got Punchin, Kabai. Uh, someone was saying to me, apparently, they played together in training for the first time today. And they, they were like, the phrase is, liquid football, my friends. Um, <laughs> and, you, I mean, you, know, you, you are excited by that as a combination. Just because, you know, it's almost like residual pride almost rubs off. It's like, you know, it's almost the Luis Suarez effect at Liverpool other players become better players around because they look they look to one side and they sort of think, bloody, I'm playing alongside Kabai. I'm good enough to be here. So, mm, and, you know, yeah, you, yeah. you hear about pros talking about that. It sounds almost made up, but you hear about pros talking about that and sort of saying, you know, when you look across and you see Thierry Henry or, you know, you see Patrick Barrio, suddenly you're like, bloody hell, like that's, you know, I'm here with them and that makes me a better player too. Um, so, you know, I think that, that does bring a different mentality to Palace. And, you know, make them very formidable in midfield. Speaking of Pardew, talking about the clout there, did you see the uh, the pitch doing the rounds this week? His uh, his uh, training outfit. Uh, yeah. They, yeah. Usually, a manager would have their initials on the on the old kit, maybe AP. Pardew, yeah. Pardew's gone for Pards, which I like. Yeah. I like that. So it's a nice touch. Over familiar. Just call me Pards. <laughs> the other the other big uh, confirmed signing was uh, Jackson Martinez to Atletico Madrid. Sort of a little bit of holding up on the deal there, but he's gone to the home of great strikers over the years. Dave, I mean, there's some, some great attacking talent they've had there is since 2006 there's a whole host of them we start with Fernando Torres obviously in his peak at Atletico Amazing. moving on to Liverpool Amazing. Sergio Aguero uh, Diego Forlan Radaman Falcao when he used to be able to score goals Diego yeah. Costa in his angry form and Mario Mandzukic and now Jackson Martinez there's a hell of a lot of goals I should have told you about the goals at Atletico there I'd say probably Four no, it's got to be maybe five hundred goals there. Plugs out, yeah, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think, crazy. So, what, what do you make of this signing, Dave? Because on first appearance, he seems like a a different signing to those players. Obviously, Mandzukic, Costa, Falcao, very physical, very strong players. Jackson Martinez, though he's strong in his own right, he seems like a different sort of player. Yeah, he's uh, he's he is more of a. I think he's technically a little bit better. You see, he scored some pretty decent goals for Porto in the last few years. He's scored a a nice back heel volley or something like that a few oh, years ago, yeah, bicycle yeah. kicks and stuff. But no, he's, he's just. In, I think he's in similar ilk of probably maybe the Falcao deal. Falcao obviously at Porto before bagged a load of goals. Now Jackson Martinez, similar poacher type of striker coming over and, and will score goals. Really interesting one. Atletico have bought well this summer. They've signed a, they signed a Villarreal striker. I think it's called Vitolo or something like that. A young Argentine. Really, really big hopes for him in in over in La Liga. I think he's going to be the next big thing. Similar to a little bit similar to sort of Sergio Aguero in build and stuff. So. Atletico are going to be a force next season, even though they have lost Mario Mandzukic. Uh, in other transfer news, outgoing from Manchester City are apparently Edin Dzeko, who might be on his way to Roma. And, 15 uh, million, right? Yeah, which will be an interesting one. And uh, Stefan Jovetic, or Stevan Jovetic, I should say, to Inter Milan. Um, Lawrence touching on Edin Dzeko briefly there. He's been there for a while at Manchester City, but again, he's one of those players who never really took centre stage and never set the world alight. So do you think it is just time for him to, to take off? Statistically, they, I, don't, I, I don't know, Dave's, Dave's probably got the best stats, man. but statistically, I always thought that Ed and Dzeko uh, was apparently, or at least, um, maybe not statistically, but almost by, um, uh, by by account of Manchester City fans. When he did come on, he, he, he felt quite effective and scored some... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Pretty critical goals. Maybe it's almost like a Dirk Kautesque sort of player. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they appreciate the effort and he scored some good goals for them. He so, did you score know, that he, header yeah. against QPR that leveled it at free all. Am I wrong? Before Sergio Aguero came and stole the show. Don't know what you're yeah, talking so about, Adam. For, that for never happened, mate. Never <laughs> happened, pal. Dave's forgotten about that one. Typical yeah. United defense. Uh, like that, you say, that's important of, goals, right? Yeah, I mean, that's maybe that's part of it. Is I guess, um, you know, he's he's done some critical things for the club. He's been there at a, a critical development time. And, you know, maybe now if he's not going to get the field time, he should move on. I think it makes it makes sense because he still has a lot to offer and he offers that on the international stage as well. So, you know, I, I, I would love to see him move forward. Now, I think it's... Um, I mean, if he's going to Roma, that's that's a move which is potentially you know quite exciting for Roma as well yeah. because it gives them a great option of Jacko, who's you know notorious for bringing in other players around him and sort of you know in, improving the strike force. Dave, on the flip side, Steven Jovetic never really got a chance at Manchester City yet, um, but it does look like he's on the way out back to Serie A into Milan. Do you think? Uh, where do you think it went wrong for him? Injuries? Yeah, the thing is, that he's, he's been quite injury-prone in his career. At Fiorentina, I used to watch a bit of Fiorentina. They're probably my second favourite team in, in world football after the, the Man United. But he was really, wow. really good player. He would play on the left, would play as a striker, very very clean finisher. Um, sort of like the daisy cutters is what I remember from Jovetic, like a curling daisy cutter mm-hmm. into the bottom corner. That's sort of how he scores his goals. But it's just the time at Man City, obviously, they got they had loads of strikers. It was a silly move for him personally. Uh, there were a lot of clubs looking at him there and he should have gone elsewhere. But, you know, I, I like him. I like Jovetic as a player and hopefully he does well back in Italy. You know, he was one of the top players in Serie A when he was there. So hopefully he can hit it back again and, and sort of knock away this injury problem. And Yeah, no, I, I just I just like him. I just He's one of those footballers that I like. like. I like him. And it was a shame that he went to Man City. Similar mm. with David Silva. Ooh. It just makes me upset when, when these wonderful footballers move to Man City. What's wrong with Silver going to, to City? Not I. Oh, it's Man City, isn't it? Horrible. Right, okay. <laughs> I'm joking. Horrible <laughs> oh, club. It's going well, Dave. It's going well. Oh, yeah. Um, um, final bit of transfer news before we move on to the questions is Geordie Classy. Southampton have signed him as uh, Morgan Schneiderlin's replacement. £8 million, five-year deal. Played under boss Ronald Koeman during his time at Feyenoord. Dave, is this another player you just, you just like? He's a class midfielder, I'd say. 
You know, he's he's good with the ball at his feet. He dictates the play. He's obviously come in as the Schneidlin replacement. I think he'll give more than Schneidlin in terms of a dictating the play type player. He won't be as, as combative as box to box as him, but he'll he'll sit, he'll play the ball around. Um, he completed 1,692 passes in the Eredivisie last season. Only one midfielder completed more, a lad called Mahoka Joe or something like that from FC20. But anyway, you know, I do like him. He's, he's small, he's combative, he's... He's just a, he's an all-round decent footballer, I'd say. Excellent stuff. Right, we're going to move on to the questions after this. So let's get on to the questions. Joining us is apparently the honorary member of the front three is Kristen Hennage. Evening. How's it going? Not bad, yeah. Very grateful on call with Louis right now. Oh yeah, how's he doing? Is he being brutally honest with you, is he? Oh, the less said the better. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and then he hung up. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the questions, lots of questions flying in. Uh, first off, appropriately, seems we've been talking about United a lot, is Siraj. On Twitter, he's asking, now, what are the chances of United getting into the top three or winning the league? Kristen, let's come to you first as the, as, you know, the guest again this week. All these signings this week, a couple outgoings apparently, including Victor. Are their chances apparently. higher or lower, Kristen? Are they higher or lower of winning the league? They have to be higher because they've Ooh. spent an obscene amount of money on professional football players to achieve that goal. And I think this this very much is uh, a key season for Van Hal. He has to perform because last season I think he was not only granted the fact that you know he starts slow traditionally in his career. But also, he could very much lean on the hangover of David Moyes and, and kind of this idea that he was given a lot of tools that he didn't really want to work with. But this season, it, it's very much uh, all got his seals of approval on. So there's there's really no room for a slow start or any kind of wobble on the, the tracks. Uh, Lawrence, I'll come to you next. Uh, Finbar McMahon, friend of the show, is asking, if Alexis Sanchez went to Liverpool last season, they won the league. Next. Would, would they have broke into the top four? Um. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. I. I, I, I no. Genuinely, I think that you know they they would have. Um, yeah, they would have won more games with Alexander. Uh, look at his contribution at Arsenal. <sighs> what a player! You know, I mean, what Arsenal are also a fantastic side, but you know, look at look at his contribution. Uh, next question is from uh, Cockblock on Twitter at manlike Ozil. It's a great name. He said, "Would you uh, rather support your most hated rival or never watch football again?" Support your most hated rival next. Yeah, I quite like watching football, um, so I think I'll stick with that. Um, I don't know. I think I'd move on. Really? What? No, no. Don't, don't move you'd on never watch football again? No, I'd love to watch cricket or something like that. I'd have to get yeah, into NBA or NFL. We'd have to, that'd have to be it, I'm afraid, for me. What is your problem with who scored? Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> they're, the they're a good organisation. <laughs> yeah. no Two fish in the same like pond. Just coexist. Dave. <laughs> Dave. Bay v. Bay on Twitter ask, which signing has been the most overhyped so far? Lots of hype. There's been lots of hype actually around the country. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go. Not Eric Backer. No, we're not <laughs> Eric Backer. Yeah. I think it's this, um, technically it's Freddie Adu. He's just joined. Uh, he's just, oh, he's just Chris, moved... This is where Kristen steps in. He's, te- he's <laughs> technically the most overhyped player because he was hyped for years, right? So I think Go on, counts. Kristen, step in. Go on, slap him. Slap him. Well, 
I mean, he hasn't been hyped in a long time. I think even the echoes of the hype don't exist anymore. Yeah. Oh, I strongly disagree. He's been <laughs> he's on the front page of BBC Sport. He's moved to Tampa Bay and he's on the front page of BBC Sport. I think that's that's the echoes of the hype coming back there. Otherwise I think I, I think uh, Carlos Backer is an overhyped move for Carlos. I think you know Carlos is doing well. <laughs> Uh, but then I think uh, AC Milan are a bit like, "Way here we are," and he's like, "Oh, this is brilliant!" And then, um, and then he realizes he's gone to AC Milan. Yeah, not well, ideal. My answer here is Johan Kavai. Big, big. I'm going I'm to go against you, Lodzcast, and say a little bit overhyped. Uh, he's a brilliant midfielder, yes, and he does run the show. But <laughs> for Crystal Palace, they had a very combative central midfield pairing. Last season, is uh, the Yedinyak and, you know, defensive midfielder and then sort of a defender would pull in, you know, like I think it was Joel War played there a bit. Um, I think that was quite good for them that they because obviously they don't play with the ball a lot. They're going to have to change up their style with Kabai. So it's going to be an interesting season for them. And is he overhyped for thirteen million pounds potentially? They, they are changing. They are changing their style. I think they're going to be a, they're going to try and play. They're going to try and play a different style of football. I mean, it's clear that they're going to try and play a different style of football. I, I, having spoken to a, a Crystal Palace fan today, but maybe Kristen can shed more light on Johan Kabai. I'm, I'm not sure if he is overhyped because, in fairness, he pushes them up a level, and I think that's what they need. It's, it's all very well and good to kind of say, "Oh, no, he's he's overhyped." And all. I just don't see where Palace could do better than that um, for that price. Odd player of that ilk who's won league titles. All right, wasn't as kind of involved with with Paris Saint Germain as he was with Lille. But he, he, he brings, yeah, and he, he brings a, a wealth of experience that I, I'm just not sure where Palace could get from from someone else who maybe wasn't a little bit older and and closer to retirement. In theory, he's as close to his peak as he's going to be. Next yeah. question is from Nicola Nicola F. He says, "Do you see a chance for Tottenham winning a title in the new season?" I think Yvine covered that one, Adam. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Buy one off the internet. Um, I think uh, uh, not next year. I think Spurs are a few years off challenging. Exciting future with a new stadium and everything. And uh, you know, we're, we're not going to be challenging for a while, unfortunately. Um, Kristen, we've got Hugo asking, why hasn't an English club ever dominated Europe like a Barcelona or a Milan have? You know, he's saying English clubs have never won the Champions League comfortably, they always seem to scrape scrape through to the final or win on penalties whoa is, is, is he is he saying Hold champions up. league here or is he saying uh, the european cup i mean he's I, I saying he's, champions league but does, does he mean champions. in the champ does he mean in the champions league era yes i, I, I love assume. that we've got a liverpool and a man united fan having to deal with this question um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no think, investment I mean, i'm like i haven't got a clue we won the first cup once that's about it he's talking <laughs> I, just, I just love the I idea of this, talking... this, this young kid licking his pen in a press conference with dave and i and going no disrespect, gentlemen, but I just want to say you've never dominated Europe in the same way as the continental clubs have. And then I'll stay up Louis van Gaal and just being like, well, you must defend. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I, I assume he's talking Champions League here, right? I'd say United, United were dominant for that. When, with Ronaldo, they were dominant for a good three years in Europe. Yeah, Maybe I, it was a different style. It wasn't as romantic as Barcelona going to a classic Lozcast point because it wasn't romanticised about we played a very conventional counter-attacking style in the latter stages of the competition with one brilliant Cristiano Ronaldo. But we got to back-to-back finals and obviously we did get outclassed by Barcelona in that second final. But we were, you know, we were at the top of Europe. Nobody has ever retained the Champions League. 
<laughs> That's the thing. In the, that period, Man United went on to win the, the, the Premier League you know, over and over again. I think that's the big thing what we lose is that some of these brilliant teams, these Barcelona teams, you know, Barcelona with uh, Pedro, Messi, Villa or Omri, Etu, Messi, they won the Champions League once and then they didn't win it the next year. I think this Barcelona team now will be the one that everyone romanticised about because they are, I think they will win it next year. I, um, I mean, if you want to go pre-Champions League, then you can, yeah, then, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you can go to, you can go back to Bob Paisley in Liverpool. And yeah. you know, that, that team genuinely dominated Even in like, Europe. Something like, no. something like six, six, I think he had six attempts at the European Cup or a European Cup. And that, I mean, that's mental in the first place. Do you know what I mean? In, um, it, even in the, we're looking at the last 10 years, for example, in the last 10 finals, there's been eight Champions League finalists altogether. It's the last three years where there's been no English you know, finalists that year in uh, 2009, 2010. Otherwise, the last 10 years, it's all been English finalists. So I think yeah, but none of them have dominated. He's, he's right to say this. Dominated. Break down the question. He's right to say this. None of them have dominated. Yeah, but you know, like Inter, Inter, Inter Milan didn't... Well, they did win the treble, didn't they, in 2019? <laughs> they dominated. They yeah. did dominate in that time. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Um, next question is from Connor McDonough. I believe, and he says, uh, "How do you see Claudio Ranieri faring at Leicester City?" Anyone want to jump in on that one? The Tinker Man, the Tinker Man himself, yeah, loves loves the changing formation. I don't know. I, I like Leicester City at the end of last year under Pearson. I did like Pearson. Obviously, yeah, loads of people hated him, but I thought they played a very combative style. And Ranieri's not really that doesn't really suit Ranieri. From what I can remember of Ranieri as being a manager, he's quite he's more negative. He's not as abrasive as that Leicester City side, and that's why they stayed up because they were in people's faces. I can't see Ranieri playing a similar style, so I'm going to think Leicester, Leicester City may have a, a few issues with the relegation zone this year. Here's a good question for you, just off the bat: uh, What would you call your autobiography? Mine would be "It's Still Wednesday in Guatemala." in reference to the infamous incident last week when, you know, the podcast was uploaded technically on a Wednesday, even though it's Thursday. Lawrence, what would you call your autobiography? I don't know. You can pretty much do any phrase, can't you? I, I, yeah, that one <laughs> I, I spend inca- a lot of time filming with Marcus from uh, football, football Ramble, basically. Um, and you can pretty much do any phrase and then just say the the, the, the story <laughs> and it works. Um, so it's still Wednesday in Guatemala. The Adam Boltwood story. The Adam Boltwood story, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Dave, you got any thoughts for your... You can oh, use it's, literally yeah. praise. <laughs> it's got to be something like the stat man. The stat man. The David O'Brien story. I'm going to be straight up with you, Dave. That shit. I know, I like it. It's got, it's got authority. It's got authority to it. It's got, it's got some heft. I quite like it. What I like was Stop earlier that. in the week, Richard Keyes tweeted a picture of himself with his brand new Jaguar, and it starts. It starts with the phrase, "I've only gone and done it." And I think <laughs> I've only Keys gone and story. done it. The Richard Keyes story. <laughs> it was just banter, though, wasn't it? It was just banter. Oh, got the Richard Keyes story. That is definitely his autobiography title. If it's, if or or the second line of so the, the tweet literally goes, "I've only gone and done it again. Can't resist the Jaguar. Thanks to everyone at the Guy Salmon as ever." I just think. <laughs> The Richard Can't Key resist story. the Jaguar. The Richard Key story. <laughs> Lawrence, what's yours? Come on. I genuinely, it's probably just going to be, um, it wasn't banter. The Lawrence McKenna story. <laughs> God, like that's it. a bit dark, pal. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, genuinely, yeah. It wasn't yeah. banter. Yeah, it wasn't banter. The Lawrence McKenna. Because the amount of people that go, oh, yeah, what great banter that was. And you're like, that wasn't banter. That wasn't, yeah. I want what to is know, I, I actually do think your podcast shit. <laughs> yeah, no, mate, great banter. 
No, no, I just don't like your channel. Brilliant. Yeah, great banter. Mm-hmm. All right, see you later. On to the more serious questions. Very serious question one here. Again, from uh, our man Cockblock sent in a second question. He's asked, should Manchester United sign Roberto Soldado? I think that is that a serious question. Uh, I think. I'm gonna say no. Adam, you're being you're being trolled live on the show. No. <laughs> That's a, that is a serious question that he's uh, asked. There. Yeah. Uh, regardless, the answer is no. Serious or not. Um, Ethan Larson asks, "What would be realistic goals for Arsenal this season?" I think we can all agree a title challenge. Win the title. That's realistic, oh, isn't it? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Uh, and Matty Jones finally is asked, who will be the Premier League's breakout player this season? I quite like that question. It's a hard one to ask. Breakout player? Um, you know who I'm going to say? Um, Coutinho. I'm going to say Coutinho. Based on one preseason friendly against uh, a Singapore all-star team, Tuba Akpom, the Arsenal guy. Ooh. You know Arsenal fans are obviously getting very excited as they do about the youth players, but we've yeah. been hearing about this kid for a few years. Maybe this could be the season where, you know, he wins the uh, the Ballon d'Or, maybe. Now Dave breaks out an obscure name from the United States Reserves. <laughs> Come on, Dave. <laughs> Andres Pereira. There He's you go. It's going to be all him, on Which Dutch team do you get him from? Which, which, uh, which, which Dutch team do you get him from? Actually, uh, Andres Pereira. We stole him from Belgium. Ah, okay. Tut, tut. Yeah. Yeah. Developed, developed in your academy, eh, Dave? Yeah. He's a homegrown lad, isn't he? Yeah, homegrown, isn't he? Yeah. From Belgium. You've always got James Wilson, eh? Yeah. Um, right, anyway, that's and enough of the questions. Uh, thank you to Kristen for joining us briefly. <laughs> briefly? And we don't know why you're on the show, but there yeah, you were. It was great. I, I love having Kristen on. I think he's, he's a great uh, a great person to get involved and then drop out of the conversation unceremoniously. Moving on to the talking points. Dave, you're up with your talking points. You wanted to talk about football books. Yeah, I did. Yeah, what's your favourite football book? This is the thing. I wanted to go around the group and ask what your favourite football books are. Because I'm when I read football books, I read very nerdy football books. So books that are like about tactics. Like number one on my list, the top book I've ever read probably is Jonathan Wilson's Inverting the Pyramid. Oh, mate, that was was the very top of my list. You bastard. yeah, it, it's brilliant. If you've not, if you're a football fan, if you've not read Inverting the Pyramid, you just go and buy it now. It's it's incredible. It's, it goes through football tactics. It starts in Brazil. It goes about the WM, then the WW, and then it goes on to pressing in Ukraine. Then it moves on to. Oh, it's just a brilliant book. I'm thinking I might have to read it again because it's that good. But it's it's just fascinating. It's it's all about football tactics and how it's evolved. And yeah, definitely, I'd say grab that. Absolutely, and he's a fantastic writer as well. He is. A, he's a just, fun, just, he's a brilliant writer. Just while we're on that, just while we're on that book. Um, I, I can't say who, but I genuinely left a production meeting once with uh, when producing a radio show and Jonathan Wilson was a guest on the show and someone had not read the book <laughs> and oh, I was yeah. like, oh yeah, no, I love his books and someone, the, one of the talent, I'm not going to say who, um, you can probably guess who, um, turned to me and just went, invert that fucking pyramid and I was like, right, well, on we go with the show then. <laughs> oh God. Oh, talent. Yeah, talent. There we go. Next. Next going down, number two on the list, is Gary Neville's autobiography. If you've not read it, it's a corker. Yeah, is it, it just gets in, it just, David Beckham? 
it does no, it just gets into it gets into the, the Man United mentality. If it, you know any Man United fan out there that's not read Gary Neville's book, obviously he's turned into a fantastic pundit. Just read his book; it's brilliant. And but number three is he's, he's Gary Neville's not called oh the Gary Neville. Story. <laughs> oh, good. Gary, missing a trick, absolutely missing a trick. I don't know how don't know how easy that is to uh, file away in Waterstones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm looking for how a book. Spell it? Uh, yeah, what's the title? <laughs> it's, oh, <laughs> Oh, that'd be great. People have to make the noise every time they want it. <laughs> in the middle of their stop. Yeah. Just, oh, <laughs> basically, because no no man goes in to buy his own. Uh, of course, unless it is indeed a, a, a gay relationship um, for like a Christmas present, and they it, it, just a load of wives going in and going. I just want you. Uh, there's a book been recommended to me. Oh, <laughs> what's it called? <laughs> just all these women having to go in and being like, my husband wants a book. I got really lost there. Who, what are you saying? Men don't I'm go just into tra- Waterstones and ask for books. <laughs> I'm trying to say that anyway, there's very, there's back, very to the, few back to the topic, Loscast. Another your another your crap for one second. Number three on the list. <laughs> it's Wait. a niche. It's a niche book. Louis Van Hal's coaching philosophies and the IX coaches, written by Henning Cormy Link. I think mm. it's called and Sven Svenrens or something like that. It's a pretty short book, but it's niche. It's Dave, about stop. Read people's bloody names, Dave. I like I'm well on it, mate. I, I like and it was Jumanji or something like that. And well, you're just like, sorry, going back to that, his name is Wanmi. Ooh, okay. So or it's something. pretty similar to Jumanji. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty or something. It's close enough. <laughs> something. Anyway. I love the idea, uh, the idea of Dave on Cocoms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, great hit, great pre-season here in Thailand. Oh, shit, look at that team sheet. <laughs> 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 I would struggle massively struggle yeah um, just... over here in Brisbane oh crap <laughs> no go on Dave uh, what other books you got um, no that's it I was just going to go top three I didn't want to bore people too much because the rest of them are pretty niche as well I'll tell you what Dave I'm 100% I feel bad for not having done it already but I'm going to pick up Inverting the Pyramid this oh weekend God. I'm going to walk into Waterstones I'm going to ask for the book you know. <laughs> what are you looking for Inverting the pyramid. What uh, what is your talking point, Lawrence, this week? What did you want to bring? Can to I add old... a book to the list? Uh, yes. Yeah, go on in. Let's go. Um, Barney Renee, the manager. Ooh. A great kind of satirical history, also documenting the rise of the manager as the modern day figure. Um, I don't know if he's done an updated version, but he did a lovely video series a few years ago for The Guardian. Uh, if you just type in Barney Renee, the manager of The Guardian, there's a lovely little video series. He's a, a, a wee bit awkward on camera, but the impact he oh, passed it on and the history of the manager. Uh, and just in general, I think, you know, Barney Renee's a great manager, uh, a great, a great, a great, great manager. He's a great writer. Um, and his tone really comes across. And, you know, you, you, you really get that he sort of in, is interested in these guys. And at the same time, is sort of a bit removed from it all. Um, it, it's really worth it's, I don't know, it's just worth, it's worth looking through because he goes, you know, he goes very far back into teams' histories and talks about them basically being, at one point he sort of, he said, you know, the managers were the fags and the bum boys, um, literally says that in the book of, uh, of the, the, a, a different phrase back in the day, obviously it didn't mean what, you know, you think it means now, um, but he said, you know, of the, of the chairman. And then suddenly that relationship changed. And from then it's just sort of progressed to be what it is now, you know. So he documents the Shankleys and the, um, the other guys around that time, uh, you know, the Damned United, etc. And, uh, and then just all the way through to the modern day Mourinho and sort of deconstructs them a little bit. And it's a, it's a good read. Uh, do you want my subject now? Or do you I want did, me to yeah, keep no, waffling? That was, that was really good. But um, I would like to know what your talking point is. 
No, fantastic. Um, so my subject this week is preseason and the beginning of preseason. Uh, anyone else been watching any of the preseason games? Um, no, I've not actually watched any of the preseason games. Um, okay. Uh, both Liverpool and Arsenal have won four nil um, against their respective All-Star Elevens. I did see the Jordan Henderson Rabona Vine viral thing. That looked quite so impressive. You can see a bit of a preseason, yeah, Adam. Sort of, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone wants to start at that point, but don't think that just because you're winning four four nil against an All-Star Eleven, a yeah. it's definitely not an MLS All-Star Eleven, um, and b you know. It's a very different relationship that these All-Star 11s have with these guys. Um, You know, they've all got professional self-respect, but at the same time, you know, this is nothing but a warm-up game. Uh, Let's just put all that in context. Um, I I don't know. There's also just the great promise of great young players. You know, I mean, all of Liverpool's youth came out and just had a great performance. Uh, And imagine you say the same about Arsenal. Arsenal look great in the new kit. You want to see that new yellow kit? Um, oh yeah, it's nice. Quite nice actually. Yeah. I quite like that one. What, Not bad. Watched a little bit of that at half time. It was inter- an interesting game. At that point, the, the, was, it the was it the Singapore All Stars were dominating the game. Anyway, they obviously went on to win four 0 Arsenal. So yeah, watched a little yeah. bit of the German preseason as well, which is quite interesting. The Tele- Telefonica Cup or something like that, or the Tele. Well, they play like uh, they play like four games of forty five minutes. It was really interesting. That was just a half of football. They watched a bit of Hamburg versus. Who even was it? Hamburg versus somebody and they Hamburg won. But, you know, it was really interesting that they sort of play half a game instead of playing the traditional full 90 minutes. Brilliant. That, no, that's great. That's, I mean, that's very saleable as well, isn't it? Um, all I'm saying is I think in pre-season there is an incredible amount of promise. It's lovely mm. to be a football fan at that point. You've got all the hope and all the... I know it's very cliche, but you do have this incredible amount of hope that all your young players will come through and play as well as they do against the Singapore, the Singapore All-Stars Singapore every week. Um, uh, you just, and you just think, you know, there, there is an incredible amount of, um, you know, uh, promise. Um, and it's, it's just nice. Uh, but there is also the awkward preseason tour where people go and sort of, you know, they go and do the cultural things. And if you go to Liverpool's website, oh, it's horrific. It's just, mm. oh, just, is that when they're doing the, you know, greeting yeah. people, you know, bowing awkward. and you're sort of like, it's just awkward, you know, I, I, I have no problem with culture. But I just mean this cultural homogeneity in general and just sort of watching Brendan Rodgers and Robbie Fowler next to each other, just sort of bowing to people. Uh, it's just bizarre. What, it's better to do that than do what the Leicester City players did anyway, let's say that. Uh, well, yeah, that's yeah. one way to go about your, uh, your pre-season tour. In some um, ways, I think it's, it's about, you know, they are, they are culturally sensitive, but at the same time, it probably shows that, uh, you know, there's still a lot of, there's still quite a few bridges to be crossed in football. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Listen, and we're, we're actually sort of running out of time, and I need to try and get this edited and up. Pretty but, but what's your subject, Adam? Well, really? I think uh, I'm just going to uh, skip it. I think I'm going to save it for no! next week. No! I think the, the good people can, you know... Wait until uh, next week. They can wait until next week. Because <laughs> I'm sure they want to listen to us talking about Victor Valdez and Louis Van Gaal's balls. So, thanks you know, so much for listening to everyone out there, whether it be on iTunes or SoundCloud. Um... Lawrence, where can the good people find more of your work? Lozcast, L-O-Z-C-A-S-T. I'll see you real soon. Dave, where can the good people find more of your work? Squawker Dave, S-Q-U-A-W-K-A-D-A-V-E. 
Dave, seriously, I got lost about halfway through that. SQUA825 X1. Yes, come find me. It's easy. Just make sure you put everything in the right order. Slow it down for you, Lost. If you have any questions or suggestions for the podcast, you can tweet us at the front free with the number three, not the word. You can find me at Adam Boltwood on Twitter. If you want to see a bit of me on YouTube, if you want to see a bit of Lawrence, you want to see a bit of Dave, go to the Football Republic. True Geordie's also on it. You know, there's other people in there. But yeah, check it out. Uh, but until next time, see you later.